from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, May 13, 2016, and this is the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by my favorite shaving company, Harry's. For far too long, you've either paid too much for a comfortable shave or settled for a low price or low-quality razor or not shaved at all. Harry's offers you an alternative, something you've never had before, a great shave at a fair price. Uh, they make their own high-quality razors. They cut out the middleman, and they ship them directly to you for half the price of the leading brands. Good shave, good price, it's simple. Get both with Harry's. I use Harry's. I love Harry's. It is the only company that I can think of that keeps getting better yeah. every time I get another box room. The, the 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 handles get cooler and better. Yeah. They they come up with better like shave lotions. They come up with they keep evolving as a company. And from May 1st to the 31st, right now, we're in the thick of it. Harry's starter sets, which they call the Truman is a great option for new customers and an amazing deal. For just 15 bucks, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of the Relevant Podcast. Harry's is going to give you five bucks off your first purchase with the promo code RELEVANT5. All you have to do is go to harrys.com. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com right now and look for the Truman set. Uh, enter code RELEVANT5 at checkout and get five bucks off and support the Relevant Podcast. Stop compromising and give Harry's a try today. I was, yeah, I, but yeah. also, just in general, just stop compromising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A compromise, well, more compromise can be good. Conviction, compromising can, quality's not, but, uh, right. you know, yeah, or, we, or it, 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 like diplomacy. But I will say this about Harry's real quick, uh, uh, that Father's Day is coming up, and I have bought them for my dad and my father-in-law uh, prior. They they still rave about the gifts. I'm slowly converting every man in my family to use Harry's. Yeah. And yeah. It's that I've, good of a product. I've done the same. My dad, my dad, my dad shaved a certain way for decades, and I've can, I've switched certain, him over to a certain way. I don't know. He does that old man way of shaving. I don't know. He's a Gillette guy. I don't know. But I'm just saying. Oh, no, no, like, no, he used a straight razor, and for 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 about five decades, Cameron's dad, uh, that straight razor was not able to go above his upper lip. That is actually true. Throat. It would be like on the leather strap, like on the old <laughs> right. cartoons. But it was strictly shave. cheek and chin. Uh, that 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 upper lip was left untouched. Now, no. no. Harry's takes care of him all the way around. Yeah, no yeah. more Harry upper go. lip. Well, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, here with me in our Orlando studio. Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. Nice to see you. Uh, on the ones and twos, our interim <laughs> producer, uh, my brother Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us, we're very excited, from Chicago, Illinois, author and speaker, Shauna Nequist. Good morning. Well, Shauna, it is a big week here in the Eddie Coffolds universe. Yeah. If you listen to last week's show, you know that um, Eddie is today uh, interviewing Kevin Max, and Kevin Max is here in the studio with us. Now, obviously, we record this a couple days uh, earlier, so it hasn't happened yet. Uh, we actually recorded this show on the day where DC Talk uh, made a rather odd, confusing, yeah. interesting announcement uh, that the thing that uh, they were hyping is not <coughs> actually a 
DC Talk reunion, but instead yeah. a water cruise. Womp, womp. So uh, that's that. But hey, we're excited that Kevin's coming in, and we're gonna have a lot of fun with him. And he's there's gonna be a dinner party, and there's gonna be interviews and performances. It's gonna be a good time. It's a big yeah. week for Eddie. Is what I'm saying. What are all your feelings about this right now, Shauna? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, uh, I, how are you handling this? I mean, remember how hard it was to decide what shirt to wear for the live podcast? And I'm wearing it right. I'm it, wearing it right now. Still, it's a great shirt. I love does it. Does it feel similar to that, or like even more dramatic? It has gone through waves of emotion uh, Which, from totally sure. freaking out to okay with it to realizing, hey, Friday, I need to not embarrass myself and actually conduct an interview. So figure out how to get cool quickly. So yeah. as as I said but, last week, I'm doing an impression of somebody I, who's really. Cool I, I feel this. like I feel like you, Eddie, went through an exhaustive uh, explanation of the full range of emotions. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've you, got you're dealing hour. with or you're going to deal with. I feel like there could be a whole separate podcast uh, <laughs> that's a weekly one where Eddie just talks about his emotions as they relate to DC Talk. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a really that well, sounds like gold. Last know, week, yeah, a lot of people would listen. Last week, about thirty-five minutes of of uh, Coffold Max. Uh, what, what are we calling it? Well, you heard it, Maxin and Relaxin uh, ended uh, up on the show. So uh, that 35 minutes was out of about 70 uh, that we were actually subjected yeah, to. Yeah, cut a so, lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, and we'll have that all released as its own separate. Yeah, yeah. But Sean, on Friday, the, uh, the day this podcast is going out, uh, Kevin will be in the studio with us all afternoon. Yep. Uh, he's going to perform a couple songs off his new album, and then Eddie's going to sit down and do the definitive interview in three parts, actually. It's going to be a three-part interview. It's mm-hmm. going to be long. It's going to be Charlie Rose meets, I don't know. Meets an interrogation. Yeah. Yeah. And then that (laughs) night, I'm having a dinner party at the house, and uh, and Kevin's coming, and we're going to end the night doing karaoke, and that's why Eddie's been... uh, been practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a full set list. I, I have mean, about 25, <laughs> 25 30 so people dude. coming over for full dinner, and then we're ending the night. Kevin's going to share with the group a little bit, and yeah. then literally we're going to do karaoke of DC Talk songs that Eddie will play, and then also I have karaoke of The Cure, Depeche Mode, 80s stuff, and we're That's just going to go yeah. all night. Yep. Yeah. Now, it, it just I want to, in your experience, have you found that professional musicians like to karaoke? Kevin is cool. He's down. <laughs> Kevin is down. Like you, you he know knows. He knows. He he wants to have a good time. And so uh, I said, I I warned him about what Eddie's gonna do. And he's like, Let's do it, man. Let's have a good time. I'm yeah. down. And he, he knows that other people are going to sing his songs. Yes. Except uh, I told I told Kevin what Eddie told me that he sings Kevin's parts the best. So yeah. he wants to sing Kevin's parts, <laughs> and Kevin <laughs> sings Michael and, and yeah. Toby's parts. I, I know I know. we talked a lot about this last week, so I don't want to belabor yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to not more do it again. More than it's been. Yeah, uh, let's do it again. Jesse is so especially, over this. Especially for us non-DC Talk uh, uh, fanatics. But <laughs> when Eddie says karaoke, he's really talking about performing. Like, Eddie's definition of karaoke is everyone right. sitting quietly while he plays DC Talk songs <laughs> yeah, on his acoustic. <laughs> guitar and everyone listens quietly or they can they can just go home if they want yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah I, I have a lot of i have a lot of follow-up questions but i'm just gonna wait for a yeah. full report yeah. afterward so basically uh, the inspiration for it have, have you seen the dick van dyke show you know rob and laura would throw the dinner party and then alan brady would come and then there'd be like a little song and dance time in the living room afterwards i have no idea what you're talking about i gotta tell you i am usually i am usually the most irrelevant one in the room with like cats updates and stuff but dick van dyke i've never seen that show i have no idea what you're talking about cameron throws his hands up in the air it's the biggest it's the best 
best show of all time, the Dick Van Dyke Show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you a hundred? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are you- <laughs> Seinfeld and Dick Van Dyke show are my two favorite shows in my entire life. Absolutely. Wow! Yes, Dick Van Dyke is is brilliant. I mean, they, yeah. they, he trips over the ottoman every time, and it's hilarious. <laughs> not, <laughs> e- not every time, That's Jesse. A- Jesse, you've seen it? The Dick Van Dyke show? Yeah. Dick Van Dyke is in, on a list of maybe five of the greatest American comedians of all time. He's a national treasure. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I, but, I don't but, dislike him. I just have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, I'm with you, Shauna. No, no. Okay. Okay. K- K- real quick. Maybe this will help. <laughs> okay, draw okay, them okay. There was a time in American <laughs> culture. Yeah. And I, I will say this in Western culture where it, where it was common for people to, to throw get together. They would dress. The other thing about old dinner parties, everyone's in suits. Like yeah. if you're going over someone's house, yeah. you, you dress right. in a suit. You bring and you bring a little gift. Yeah. The, the stated the, the 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 like the thing that you did during the dinner party was eat dinner and then listen to someone play some tunes. Mm-hmm. Like after David Bowie died, there I I watched I was watching old David Bowie you know like random videos, and there's one that uh, uh, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell reenacted line for line where it's from a Christmas special and it's like a skit where David Bowie goes over like his friend's mansion and he assumes that Bing Crosby is now the butler there and he informs the butler that he regularly comes over to play songs on the piano at which they both sit down in suits and sweaters and just sing songs together this is what people did this, this did. is how they lived in the old days that's I mean right. that that that's Cameron isn't that what I what you're saying yeah. with Dick Van Dyke but, culture used to revolve around these Buddy types and of Sally were were multi <laughs> Talented Rob and Laura were multi-talented. Alan Brady was multi-talented. So, so at, they would have a dinner party. They'd gather their friends. People would come over and do suits. And then, like maybe you do a little comedy routine. Maybe you do a little song. Maybe you do a little, a little song and dance. And everybody enjoys themselves. And it's a nice time. I'm gonna pause things. That's for, what we're doing. I'm gonna pause things for a second. Shauna, I yeah. get it now. I get what it feels like to just sit here and have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about, but be entertained, <laughs> but have no real context for it. But, but like still what, be with you. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying is um, you you go to a party that you think is a dinner party, and then at a certain point, people start singing? No, 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 no. Listen, it's a dinner party like a normal dinner party. And yeah. then after the dinner party, when the desserts are served and you get your coffee, you gather in the, in the living room. It's a right. You yes. move venue from table to I, living room. Can I, ask, well, I mean, they can call I, the parlor room, but... Yeah. And then, the now I, have a pause, I have a pause on this, because we're, we're thinking about what we're kind of putting this in practical terms. Yeah. Like we we all you know have a lovely dessert or something. We yeah. move into the room. And yep. Kevin's ch- oh, is he going to tiramisu? And yeah, also, there tiramisu? is a butler involved in this. Oh, wow. I, th- I don't mm-hmm. think we can understand the uh, understate the importance of a butler's role in all of this. So at some point we start playing music, yeah. right? And the butler you know is serving whatever. Right. At any point, is there sheet music? Like, is there? You can bring your own. Okay. Yeah. Good. 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 Yeah. So, so what we're gonna do with Kevin after dinner? We're gonna go. Over the, we're gonna gather everybody in the family room, yes. and then and Kevin and we'll share a couple things. We'll do a little Q and A, a little back and forth with everybody, and then uh, he wants to share a couple songs from his new album. So we'll do that, and, Great. and then uh, we're gonna fire up the karaoke machine, and it's gonna get weird. Do I bring my guitar or not? Are we all carry? Yeah, no, no, no. You bring your okay, guitar for the DC six, Talk stuff. I checked. There's not. Songs. There's hundreds okay. of thousands of songs. Not very many DC Talk songs in their library. I think I've got the three DC Talk songs that will satisfy the room. Okay, that's I all mean, we need. We don't want more than right. That. And the, well, yeah. but also then we probably want my favorite DC Talk song and then probably two David Bowie songs. And okay. I'll have all that ready. <laughs> okay. So it's no big deal. We're totally right. Because how good does so, Kevin sound singing David Bowie? It's amazing, actually. He's every <laughs> gathering I've ever been to at my in-laws' home is essentially what you're creating yes, right now. Yes, we're just here. doing it with Kevin Max. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it's not weird. Therefore, they're from a more sophisticated era. Yeah, clearly. Robin Laura uh, Petrie showed us the model, and I'm just I'm bringing it to the next generation. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yes. And now, Cameron, can I can I ask you this? Uh, because I do feel like it's critical for everyone if they're going to have a good time. Have you hired an old English butler for the evening? Good question. Named Montgomery. <laughs> uh, no, not yet. I, I should. We should probably right. grab a Montgomery. Yeah. I have some Craigslist yeah. uh, people that I've flagged in your area. <laughs> I keep them. I keep bookmarks in a lot of towns I go to. Uh, just, I, I'd like to know. I like to know who's working when. Uh, in case a situation such as this presents itself. So I will uh, let Montgomery know, yeah. and uh, he will be there. Yes, well, well, we, I'm excited. We have a great show uh, coming up today. I mean, a phenomenal show coming up. Uh, yeah. Lauren Daigle joins us oh. on the show. Remember last month when we had John Mark McMillan join us, and he was talking through some of his favorite songs of, his, of all time and yes. like songs that changed his life? Lauren has a brand new album out, and she's uh, joining us to tell us the five songs that changed her life. Yeah, it's a cool oh, segment. And so, I love this. Yeah, this new music discovery type thing. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, after that, Eddie has a jaw-droppingly important, profound, and moving interview with Dr. Dan Allender. <laughs> Everybody thought you were getting towards a punchline. Yeah. No, it's actually an <laughs> no, awesome. No, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Like, for the people who have tuned in for that, because it is going to be a life-changing 20 minutes, Yeah. Uh, we're sorry for what you just went through. But, uh, I'm not. Life change takes all forms. It's true. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know what I mean? So it's a great show. We have we have uh, the DC Talk update. We're excited. You're excited. I'm excited. I'm ready for an actual interview with Kevin. I'm yeah. looking. I'm, I'm going to try not to geek out so much. Yeah. I'm going to. I think we're going to have a really good conversation. I can't wait for people to hear that. Lauren comes. Dan Allender comes. But the news that has completely enwrapped America this week yes. is the raccoon infestation at Shauna's house. Trump. Oh. Shauna. <laughs> Shauna, can you please give us an update of what's going on in your household? Oh, you guys, things are so weird. Like, it, it's <laughs> like there is no world outside of the raccoon issue. In our, I mean, it's, it's the only thing that we really have space in our mind and our heart. I, for I right have now. some questions real quick. Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. When you say a raccoon infestation in your home, are you talking that they have breached the ceiling in the garage and that they are in the living areas? No, 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 no. no. They are strictly in the attic slash one is Kim is on the roof in a huge metal trap right now waiting for JP to come release her. Is JP so, another raccoon? No, 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 no. JP <laughs> is... Someone that my cousin used to babysit, okay. who now is helping with our animal problem. Okay. What on so, earth? I, I, I've I dealt know, with know, these type of guys. When did this happen? How did more than one get in there before <laughs> you noticed? You're just blowing through hey, facts. Hey, Shauna, I got bad news for you. I got bad news for you, too. Yeah. You say they haven't breached the living areas. <laughs> yeah. But if they're in the attic and they're on the roof, it's a matter of time. I mean, I'm I know. giving oh, you I hours, totally not know. days. I am, I am living in fear. Yeah. Uh, my stress level is very high. We we can see you on video right now, and I see recess lighting uh, right behind you. Oh, I know. I know. I'm very <laughs> afraid. I'm, that I'm the expecting at any moment right for just a raccoon tail to drop through. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. You guys, I've thought of all this. I am not sleeping well. Um, now, why is it such a thing to get raccoons out? Because aren't they like fairly sizable? And find them all. Like, why? Why can't people just someone just go in the attic and well, just uh, kill they're them? nasty? They're <gasps> not kill them. You trap them and relocate them. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. So, so what? The first thing that happened, maybe a week ago, is I heard the noises, 
and no one believed me. They thought I was exaggerating. And I said, there is something in our attic. And they were like, oh, maybe it's a mouse. And I was like, no, no, maybe it's a person. It is so loud. There is no way this is a mouse. Drifters have been known to take up residence in attics. I mean, we yeah. just, it, it sounded way more like a person than it did like a mouse. Yeah. Okay. But before we move forward, have you recently hired an old English butler? Because I have before <laughs> and it was a confusing situation. He was thinking it was more of an Alice on Brady Bunch type of thing yeah. where he just moves yeah. in upstairs. They've never seen <laughs> Brady Bunch. They've never heard of Brady Bunch. It was the same era well, as the classic, Dick Van Dyke. They have a living maid, which is kind of weird when you think hearing. about it. It was the English butler I had hired who inadvertently <laughs> went up into to our crawl yeah, space. Yeah. Pardon me, Lady Nyquist. <laughs> someone well, I, well, ha- someone has inadvertently eaten your breakfast. That's the butler in the haunted mansion or <laughs> yeah, the Tower of Terror. Yeah, yeah. He's not a vampire. He's a butler. And, 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 and Shona, I have bad news for you on that front, too. Because at this point, if he's been up there more than a week, he's going to invoke squatter's rights. And <laughs> oh, legally, yeah. you're not going to be able to get out. Trust yeah. me, I've run oh. into this one, too. What if... I've in had three... I've had three English, old English butlers living in my attic and legally there's no recourse. <laughs> That's why you had to move. So I'm feeling better and better about my situation. All I have is four to six raccoons. Okay, okay, okay. So let's go there. So one raccoon found its way in, set, went and got its buddy and said, hey, come on, let's go. Did no, they have no, no, babies no, 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 up no. there? No. What happened? Are they no. like have little banjos and are singing songs and are teaching the children? <laughs> I've seen the Country Bear Jamboree. Those yeah. are, they're musical raccoons. Maybe it's really fun. A pregnant lady raccoon. I, I feel like that's is that Kim? redundant. That is pregnant raccoon. Uh, chewed and clawed her way into our attic. This is messed up. In order to have her babies I, in I, our I, attic. You have to move. <laughs> that was the worst part. That was the worst thing you could have said. I don't know why, but that is so weird. Now, I will say this, too. It's not that I know... I feel like there's two things most people know about raccoons. It's their 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 mask eyes, you know, that's yeah. the one yeah. thing. Yeah. And two is they always return to the place of their birth no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> They're like salmon. You guys, I there are so many more aspects to this strange story that I have not yet shared with now you. Now there's gonna be five more raccoons in about six years going there to give birth oh. to more raccoons. And yeah, it's just exponentially gonna grow. It's nature 101. So, okay. They're like salmon. So, so the raccoon, the babies, the raccoon doula, all up there having a baby. <laughs> then what happens? So no, I, so I hear the noises. Like the birth noises? I, breathe. What? Breathe. I hear two different noises. I hear loud stomping noises like there's a toddler up there. That's a midwife. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then I hear the little squeaky, squeaky noises. Lots and lots <gasps> of those. Oh. And so I ask my friends, what should I do? And my cousin says, I used to babysit for a guy who now does critter control. His name is JP. And I say, can JP come to my house? And he does. And he goes up in the crawl space and he ascertains very quickly that there is a large mama and at least five babies that are so little their eyes are not even open yet. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> Real quick, did, did he let you? Did he let you know that there's an elderly man named Thurston from Liverpool living <laughs> up there as well? Because uh, actually, from, yeah, what I realized, Jesse, when he went up there, he Jeeves welcomed him at the attic entrance and said, "Let me show you the way." Welcome to the attic. <laughs> that, that is the worst mm. butler. I, I haven't worked on my English. They're not Frankenstein's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some of the attic's scary to me. It feels right. Doesn't feel welcoming. So, 
he gets up there. There's a big mom, baby so little the eyes can't open, and then what? He just gets rid of all of them, and it's all done. No, 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 no. No, he throw. says we, we. The mom is so aggressive because her babies are right there that we need to get the mom out on her own, and then he will remove the babies. <sighs> so. <sighs> Um, I mean, there's a, there's several days, several visits, but yesterday he came days, over. And, days are going by. This is oh, not like yesterday. This is how we live. No, yeah. this is our new reality. Right. But then yesterday he came over and he got a huge metal trap and he put it on our roof right in the front of our house. So everybody can see it, right? Stay um, away raccoons, it said. A big shame. Sign. It's got a big red A on it. <laughs> totally, totally. And guess what he put inside to lure the mama out? Oh my gosh! A piece of pizza. Oh yeah, like cheese or something? <laughs> Peanut butter? Candy canes? The, the very Crawfish. bottom, the very end of a chipotle steak and bean burrito wrapped in its tin foil. It's because that—that's like, what that guy had yeah, for lunch. Yeah, leftover from lunch. Because <laughs> raccoons love leftovers. He's like, uh, I bought a hole, and he's like, oh. I got the end of a burrito here. <laughs> really? He actually said the best thing is a McDonald's bag. They will do anything if they see a McDonald's bag. But the tin foil from your leftovers with a little bit of food in it is good enough. I got. I got to be honest with you. I I eat a lot of Chipotle burritos, but usually only about three quarters, and just kind of yeah. leave the other end just haphazardly <laughs> lying around my house. I'm concerned now that I'm basically just attracting raccoons. Yeah, you're yeah, baiting absolutely. raccoons. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like right them a love letter yeah. it's like a handwritten invitation to your home my mom, so you're telling me it's not good to leave burrito remains just lying around your house and in your bed really okay. no 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 i no. grew up on the in the woods kind of we had like acre like 80 acres behind our house and so my mom would actually put out bowls of food for the raccoons to come up to the patio and eat yeah and so like rac attracting raccoons yeah. to your home was something my mom liked Gross. Yep. Yeah. shauna i have yes. a question about this yeah yeah now I am not saying this is a good idea, but why place such an emphasis on getting everyone out alive? Like, why didn't the guy crawl up in the crawl space day one? He has a little pellet gun over his shoulder. No more raccoons. <laughs> I'm not saying I agree with this or not, but no, no, what no. are your feelings? If he had come and said, hey, here's how we're going to do this, would you, have, would you have said, go for it? No, you guys, I, I'm one of those people that like catches a spider and puts it outside. Oh. Like oh, I, okay. I don't, I don't love to kill things. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, I do not want these raccoons in my house. You might have, JP but I would like things? them to thrive and live a long, full life somewhere else. You yeah. would. Yes, just not in my house. So that you know, <laughs> another way he could have done this. This this ordeal being stretched over days seems very inefficient to me. We've all seen those things that they wear when they train the German shepherds. You know, yes. to jump up and latch on. <laughs> if that mama raccoon is hissing and so that's aggressive, a, that's a great idea. put that thing on, yeah. let her latch on, and just she's coming out. with you. Yeah. You just walk yeah. her right yeah. out of the house. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he's over-engineering this a little bit, <laughs> right? Just walk up no, there. He's, try he's passing the, the, the bill of all the burritos and stuff over to Shauna. Like, well, it's the cost that, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. it's going to take a yeah. week. No, and I, you're not going to believe this. ill of you, my best friend. He is, at this point... My favorite living human because he's solving this problem with me, and I will not listen to you say um, negative things about him. No, no, Jay, we're not solving. Jay, he a, he comes in with an invoice. He's like, "You're not going to believe this. You know what raccoons <laughs> in this area like? They like one bite of six different things from Buca de Beppo." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, I got them all up there. Yeah. So I, uh, I got to tell you, if I was him and I got in that attic and saw what I saw, I would immediately 
close down the bank account, shut down the business. I would never, ever be able to do what he's doing. Like, no, never, never. I mean, that is, that is just the scariest thing. I reached into my center console in my car this morning no. to get a pen oh, and came up and, and, and I brought my hand back out and had ink all over my fingers. Okay, that's not bad. No, no, I'm just... saying. But I thought of you immediately because the idea of sticking yourself into a thing that is uh, like dark <laughs> and then something happens that you did not expect <laughs> is your fear. Is your fear. It is not how I've ever described it. But yes, it is yeah. like, yeah, maybe, going into hey, the... Eddie, maybe Dan Allender can do <laughs> <laughs> Shauna, here's here's Shauna. if things get desperate, if this goes on for another week, I got news yeah. for you about JP. He he's he, he's he's leading you along, and he's letting. I'm we can't be entirely sure that mouth, he didn't Jesse. put those raccoons there. I think, <laughs> so here's what you do. Here's what you like. Oh hey, uh, you know he's like hey, t- tell her you used to babysit me, wink wink or whatever. He's got something <laughs> He just showed up the day that raccoons get in your house back into your life. I've seen, okay. I've seen enough of these con- fix the contractor shows yeah. where like the contractor yeah. leaves them, like took all their money and didn't finish or like it took nine months and it should have taken nine days and they just kept invoicing. Yeah. I'm thinking- I, I've seen enough Billy the Exterminator to know this is an afternoon job. Yeah. Not- <laughs> <laughs> so here's, if this goes on for a couple more days. Oh, I'm sure. Gonna- oh, sure. They get the Billy the Exterminator reference, but not the Dick Van Dyke show. How, FYI. How often, do you ch- how often do you check that trap? Could you see it if it? You, oh, you guys! I need to paint this picture for you. Yeah, yeah. There is so 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 he sets the trap yesterday afternoon. It's kind of rainy here, and he's like, raccoons really do not like the rain, so probably <laughs> she's not going to come out. Scam. It could be a couple weeks. I'll keep leaving. Oh. You know, I'll keep coming by and leaving leftovers. I'll come by and every stuff. day at about twelve thirty. Bring a leftover <laughs> burrito. <Right. laughs> so, by the way, my bait my bait price is adding up quickly. Yeah. So so expectations are low. We all go to bed, normal, normal time, normal everything. And then at 1 a.m., it is clear that the raccoon has found herself in the trap and is very, very angry about it. And it's right above our bedroom window. So we do what anyone would do. Both our children come running in. It is so loud. You, 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 it is something terrible is happening to our home, right? So the kids come flying in and we're like, we got to go check this out. Well, so to be fair, think outside. about how the raccoon feels. I know. So we all go outside and sure enough, there is an enormous raccoon in the trap. Um, so then the kids, of course, they can't sleep in their own beds. So they make little beds on the floor in our room because they're very troubled. Oh, so Shana. then Mac decides, we decide we need to name it. And we're like, what should we name our raccoon? And Mac says, Shauna Nequist. Oh, perfect. Oh. I'm like, no, no, I, I feel like that's going to be confusing, you guys. That's no, that's that's <laughs> how, a no. How could it ever be confusing? If I know anything, right. Shauna Nequist loves leftover burritos. Yeah. You know, <laughs> trapped in a cage with old McDonald's bags. <laughs> she will do anything for an old McDonald's right. bag. And it's such a unique name. Who knows two Sean right. <laughs> So instead, we named her Kim. Oh, Kim. And Who came so up now with that? Kim is still curled up in the big trap on our roof. And two different people have come to my door to say, excuse me, did you know there's a giant raccoon in a giant trap on your roof? Who's, feeding, I... who's feeding the babies? Nobody. Oh, the babies are just left to fend for themselves. I'm that's very not, stressed out for Kim. It's not okay. You, it's you, not okay. No. It's a bad situation. JP needs to get over there right now and get those yeah, babies. I'm gonna yeah, call we need JP. to nurture those babies and get them nice and grown up in that attic. Sean, Sean, real quick, real quick. I wish you would have named the raccoon Sean Anequest, and then JP would have come over and you would have introduced yourself and, oh, the babysitter thing. And, you know, he's like, uh, so you're like, oh, by the way, the raccoon has a name. It's Sean Anequest. And JP's just like, 
What are the odds of that? Yeah. <laughs> How did you? It, it, it's wow, weird coincidence. So, right. So, right. how long has that <laughs> raccoon been on the roof now? Is it still there? Since 1 a.m. Yeah, I go out like every 10 minutes. My cousin just drove by and texted me. Kim is sleeping. I was like, I know. I just can't believe that, like, the, like there isn't some sort of follow up extermination immediate. Uh, this seems like an emergency to me. <laughs> Right. This I seems like that. the 911 of extermination kind of moments where it's like trap happened. You get over here right now. Right. You get that, that, Yes. That's what I wanted. Yes. I, when I texted JP at 630 in the morning, I wanted him to come immediately over. But apparently he has other. Yeah, he's got a like, it's an know. emergency. Yeah. I, 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 it's like, it's an emergency. And he's like, listen, I'm right in the middle of something. I can't, uh, I can't do it right now. And he's like, yeah, I would like, uh, uh black beans, uh, <laughs> <laughs> double chicken. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean, I can't, I'm right in the middle of something really important here. You need to show me up there with a saucer of milk. Cause those babies need a mama. I know. I feel really bad about this. I, I really am stressed out about this situation. It's too late. Let's who are we kidding? <laughs> their, their, blood, their blood is on your hands forever. Oh, no, 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 no. How many were there? Past tense. Uh, we think five. Five? Shauna, the only ethical thing to do at this point is to go deliver the bad news to Kim. This whole thing is getting very dark. It's tweet, yeah. <laughs> well, ever since the weird Haunted Mansion butler voice appeared, right. this, the show's taken a turn. The bus uh, stop is right outside... It's on our corner. And so, of course, the kids are like, this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened. There's a raccoon on our roof and they can see it and whatever. But I had to tell them, like, no, 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 no. You do not throw things at her. You do not yell at her. You do not shoot your Nerf arrows at her. She is already having a very, very rough day. And so we're going to be respectful of Kim. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, Mrs. Nequist has lost her mind. Sounds like a speech you've told before. <laughs> wow. I, I, am, I am really... I am stopped by this story. It is absolutely the grossest thing. I told you it transfixed America. I've I, been watching the play-by-play on Facebook. How have I missed it all? We're fr Facebook friends. I guess I've been pretty into my JP, own world. JP's been texting me uh, all about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's like, you're not going to believe it, man. That raccoon's name is Sean Equest, and he's at Sean Equest. I'm still wrapping my mind around this. Like, what are the chances? <laughs> All right. Well, that'll wow. be a great segue to uh, our new segment of uh, looking back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. In Case You Missed It, this week, Justin Bieber made the news. Uh, Relevantmagazine.com servers pretty much melted to the floor because of this news. Uh, Justin Bieber, over the weekend, posted a picture on Instagram of his latest tattoo. It's a raccoon. A cross on his face. Where on his face? That's my question. Uh, right next to his eyeball. Cornea. Yeah, it's a, it's a small tattoo. Uh, there's a New York tattoo artist named John Boy who did it. Uh, this is what he said. He said, Justin came in last night, decided on a small cross near the corner of his eye. It represents his journey in finding purpose with God. That's what he says. But, I mean, this is just the next in line. I mean, like, Bieber's been increasingly open about his faith in recent months. He, on his tour that he's on right now, he brought uh, his pastor, Judah Smith, on stage at one of the concerts to preach a mini-sermon. Uh, he's been warning fans about making idols out of celebrity heroes. He said, when a human is being worshipped, this is dangerous. Uh, and then Complex Magazine, he, he told them that he wants his life to emulate Christ in a recent interview. So, he's just, like, more and more, like, trying to be... More I'll say this. If he's face. tattooing a cross on his face, he may be commit, more committed to his faith than any of us. I don't see any of us walking <laughs> around with face ink. 
let's say in theory I had a raccoon. Would I, if I and I named it Sean and Nyquist? Yeah. Would that be offensive or would it be kind because you're one of my favorite authors? Is How? it is it a nice? I mean, is it a loving thing or is it, are you terrified of it? Is it a bully? Like, what's the attributes of said raccoon? That's hard to know. I think just a healthy respect and fear. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, then, then what? A, what an honor. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Cool. What an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like there's two different issues with Justin Bieber, right? Like there's this kind of increasing connection to his faith, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm kind of with Jesse. There's a there's a there's a lot of devotion one can express without getting yeah. any kind of tattoos on your face, yeah. right? Yeah. That that's a line. For right me, there. I'm like I'm I'm like concerned. Like it's like it seems like more erratic. Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> but but a friend and I were talking about the other day. How could you grow up as Justin Bieber and come out the other side? Well, is he doing? Normal? I mean, is he in the middle of the Lindsay Lohan years? You yeah. know what I mean? Where it's just like everything's great. She's in the movie, then she kind of freaks out, and then all of a sudden she seems to be resurfacing and slightly healthy and married. Well, it's like it's like or, or the Britney, Britney Spears 2007 shaving off all your hair sort of thing. Like, is yeah. this is this the hair shaving or is this like coming out of the hair shaving? I don't know. This is right. Yeah, that's a good question. We only hindsight will tell us. Yeah, or JP. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll ask him later. Yeah, his album is the hottest fire though. Like every jam on there is killing. <laughs> his album is as hot as fire. Is, thanks, no, I said is the hottest fire, oh, Eddie. Thanks, the Dad. hottest thanks, Dad. fire. His album is just hot as fire. No, I'm Justin saying, Bieber. You get the Cosby Show reference, but not the Dick Van Dyke Show. There would be no Cosby Show without the Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh my gosh. Eddie, his yeah. album gets 100, 100, 100 fire emoji, fire emoji. Fire emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard it? It's really good. That man. 100 emoji is a thing, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's yeah. using that for like what? Like the best? If it's the best, it's 100? 100%. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't figured it out yet, so I haven't used it. But I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Get there. I'll find a reason. Do you know there is no raccoon emoji? How is that possible? How is that possible? I know. Just I really needed it this week, one, and there isn't what they one. Are. <laughs> yeah, there's a house, and then there's like just five five little skulls you could do. That's true. They are going to live a long, full life. If they make it beyond today. Out in the country, oh, they, somewhere else. You better get up there with some saucer. Now, saucer that's a milk. question. That's a question for JP that I would really love to know the answer to, and this is an honest question. I've always wondered, where do they take those animals? They take him to a lovely dumpster in the country <laughs> where, they, where they live and eat. That's serious. They love those things, guys. Dumpster so like, I, I, I want you to let your kids know. I know they got close to Kim and the kids. I want you to know they're in the most beautiful truck stop Arby's dumpster <laughs> this side of the interstate. I mean, it is, it is gorgeous. It's like the Pine Barrens episode of The Sopranos where they just drive out into the wilderness to bury the guy. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Just going yeah. two, three hours, grabbing a steak. Yeah, leaving the leave. Wow. Listen, there's a there's an, <laughs> well, there's, a, there's an abandoned Quiznos that uh, I have freed them, and uh, it's it's great. There's some leftover salami from a few years ago. It's a lovely place. <laughs> They're in a better place. In now. case you missed it, the new Radiohead album Moonshape Pool had its surprise release over the weekend. Hottest fire that one. A hundred, hundred, hundred emoji. Is the hottest. Area. It's her first album in five years, <laughs> and the band also dropped a new single and video for the song "Daydreaming." Here is a clip.
the video, uh, you got to go look it up on YouTube. It was directed by filmmaker Paul Thomas Anderson, who, oh. uh, like, he basically, he his films uh, are like There Will Be Blood, The Master, and Inherent Vice. And uh, he, on those films, had Radiohead's musical mastermind Johnny Greenwood score those films. So he's had a long relationship with the band. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. He's an incredible filmmaker, too. I yeah. mean, one of the, the uh, greats of his generation. I would drink your milkshake. <laughs> if you have a milkshake. It's a cool I video, too. Saw. I'll drink your milkshake. I'll drink it up. It's one of, the, it's one of those. <laughs> what, what, what's happening? Uh, what's going on? There'll be blood. There you haven't seen blood. that? It's the story. It's the true story of what's happening in your attic. This is my boy, D.W. <laughs> I am an oil man. I have seen it. I, I didn't, I have not seen it enough to like quote it just in the moment. Uh, no, that, so. that bowling alley scene at the end where it's like, oh, it's one of the most, uh, in Finished. cinema, it's one of the best, <laughs> yeah. it's one of the best scenes in film. Oh, yeah. But, but, but when you realize that it's Johnny Green, <clears throat> like all those droning strings that are in that movie and oh, also man. in The Master, yeah. Uh, there's like all these sort of like disturbing violins and cellos oh, playing. Yeah. That's Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, when he's getting baptized, give me the blood, Eli. Give me the blood. I mean, that is terrifying. Yeah. Wow. I've seen that movie probably more than any other movie. It's, what? What, is, what does that say about me? That is like my go-to. It's a great movie. Like when I'm like, man, I really want to watch a movie. I, I will movie watch movie. There Will Be Blood. You I've know what? probably seen it 10 times. I can, what? I would say this. <laughs> Weird, right? I never re-watch movies, yeah. and that movie is one that I probably put on half a dozen times. <laughs> I know. I love that. Because, and, and it holds up. <laughs> Stylist, Why are you sty <laughs> Stylistically, you, it's timeless. Like It's not like... Because if you watch a movie from the 80s or 90s or 10 years ago, you can tell like they make movies different now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. Not just the style of the people, yeah, the yeah. way you make a movie. That movie is timeless. Shana, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at how shocked you are. Is it because it's so dark you'd think we'd be more into like uh, Dumb and Dumber and <laughs> stuff like that? No, I just like the idea of I've already seen it, but I'm good. I'm, I like, you know, kind of want to watch it again. Like, do you know what I watch when I want to watch a movie I've seen before? I watch Wedding Crashers. How to Lose only. a Guy in 10 you, Days. You know what, though? I, uh, that's great, too. Wedding or Step Brothers or yeah. something like that. Step Brothers is my second but, most watched. Shauna, have you ever reread a book that you loved? Oh. I I'm not I don't reread often, but there are a couple that I do. And have you ever gone to an art museum that ha to look at master uh, classics and yes, masterpieces? Yes, Cameron, I have. I'm just saying, I like have. every I'm time saying. I see that movie, I see something else. Yeah, you yes. know the father son thing is one, or the ten I mean, just the the redemption or the de the decline. I've, depending on seasons of life I'm in, I pick up nuances I didn't know. Okay, okay, it's interesting. Mark, Mark Maron did a long sit down with Paul Thomas Anderson last year. That if you're interested in his films, is super insightful just about everything that goes into him and why he chooses certain projects and the insane attention to detail he has for everything he does, which reiterates what Cameron was saying, that you notice little things. It's because Paul Thomas Anderson is, you know, uh, an auteur. What's the book you've read the most, anybody that's listening? Have you read <clears throat> a book twice? I don't know. Other than the Bible, I honestly don't know that I have. Yeah. Oh, I, there are a couple that I reread every year. Wow. What, what can you, do you mind? What are they? Um, Anne Lamott's Traveling Mercies and mm -hmm. Hemingway's Movable Feast. Huh. I try to read uh, Chesterton's Orthodoxy every uh, I, year. I've read that. That's the one I've read a couple times. Yeah. Really? And for a long time, I read the entire Little House on the Prairie series every year. Wow. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's like my favorite. What about you? Uh, Mere Christianity a few times. And then yep. Go Tell on the Mountain by James Baldwin. Y you know what I've read a couple times, Cameron? Maybe you, you've probably, I know you've released it at once, but uh, uh, Chuck Closerman's Four. 
because it's a collection of his early career magazine profiles primarily. And just when you want to be re-inspired about creative approaches to profile writing, Mm -hmm. anyone who's interested in modern journalism, like new journalism, should read that book and then read it again. You always need to be learning and like at your craft, Mm -hmm. you know, like and and you need to position yourself in a way that you're always being pushed and inspired by things that are frankly better than you. Yeah. And and, yeah. and reading Klosterman always does that for me. It's mm-hmm. like um, it's just when you think you're figuring out how to do what you do, you read somebody who's so much better, you're just like, ah, I got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And it keeps you going, it keeps you growing, you know. So, you know, he will we I recently had the chance to talk to him and you know, I won't give too much away because I want readers to you know, get the full experience. And I've read everything he's done. Like I said, some of it multiple times and his approach just to reading him and listening to him because he's been, you know, he's a fixture on a lot of, you know, sort of, uh, high minded culture podcasts from Grantland to, uh, this American life and, you know, Michael Ian Black's new show. But anyway, he has taught me one thing that every time I've heard him or read him or getting the chance to talk to him, we talked for like an hour one day was, is how to be super engaged in every element of the conversation. So like, like Eddie texting right we, now. What were you saying? <laughs> no, but like the key to the key to like getting re- and it sounds pretty intuitive, but I think a lot of people who have done the interviewing process there's a lot on your mind about what you want to get to, but being so engaged in every question and digging deeper into not the response but why they responded like that and being just a thoughtful person and really locked into gaining deeper insight into a conversation than anyone else is like a really great key uh, uh, to writing. And he's the perfect example of that. Hmm. There you go. It was Brianne. I forgot to tell her that the pest control person was coming over. Oddly <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're like, <laughs> uh, listen, oh, me listen, alert. We need to call a pest control person yeah. just to do a sweep, <laughs> just to make sure it's clear. Yeah, we got to. <laughs> I, I honestly, I honestly. My life is a cautionary tale. Yeah. I, I really hey, you should make a t-shirt that says that. I don't know how long you can let this go before maybe it's just realtor time. <laughs> oh, believe me. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I'm sure your house would resale for a fine amount. You could move someplace lovely. Certainly, you could get a place without a raccoon. <laughs> well, I know, I know from, I know Real Estate 101, it's, uh, you know, take your asking price and dock 25% for raccoon infestation. <laughs> and then Since when I the meet with the realtor bubble. about what we want in our new house, it's just like, all I want is no raccoons. That's yeah. it. I don't care. Do you think like oh, Christmas time, you'll put like a little, uh, like a Santa hat on Kim so she could be like a lovely roof ornament? <laughs> or do you think like you'll dress her up for the different holidays? <laughs> well, they'll make a coonskin cap for her out of yeah. the little baby carcasses. Uh, Just a little the ironic. Yeah. The babies are going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. Right. It's too late. Generally, how long do you <laughs> think a baby that can't open its eyes could make it? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's, what's your... I'm asking as a mother. As a mother. As a mom, as an author. Hours. <laughs> you, what do you think? It has not even been 12 hours without it. It's coming up on 12. So maybe you think... It's six hours too late then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those babies need to eat at least four or five times a day right now. Yeah. How familiar are you with baby raccoons? I grew up with raccoons. My mom attracted them to our patio. Cameron's acting acting as if his first house was a raccoon den. Listen, one of my... Hold on, hold on. One of my great embarrassments in life is my mother's love of raccoons. 
as a child, she wallpapered my childhood bedroom with raccoon wallpaper. Yeah. Like, Channing, do you remember this? No, no he wasn't oh, alive was, yet. Yeah, yeah. It was a house I we mean, had before about, he was born. I hear about it all the time, though. <laughs> it was one wall, like a showcase wall of cartoon raccoons in my really childhood bedroom, and I hated it yeah, and was embarrassed, embarrassed by, by it. it as a six, five-year-old boy. Absolutely. Yeah. It was wow. my mom. Yeah. Cameron. <laughs> uh, me and raccoons go way back. Not a fan and of those the, babies are dead. That's all I'm saying. Not a fan yeah, of the I'm trash saying I, every year I reread uh, JP's Guide to Critter Gitten, and <laughs> I'm telling you, you have a Critter. six to ten hour window for a baby raccoon. At hour twelve, Aaron needs to come home and play taps on the piano and move forward. <laughs> you know what? We noticed. We noticed oh, when we no. first got on the she line. Said, when we first know. got on the line. We heard little scurries and little b- things in the background. And uh, perfectly clean audio now. Yeah. Clean audio. Nothing we th- but. We thought it was now, digital now, noise. Now, now at this point, you're just dealing with ghost raccoons. Which is a whole new ball game. <laughs> Trust me on this one. It's time you for- have just opened up a can of worms. In- yeah. It's time for the in memoriam. Jennifer Hudson's going to come out and sing a song, and it's going to be <laughs> just- Jimmy Ghost Raccoons. It's just five pictures of raccoons and Jennifer Hudson singing. <laughs> you know what? Listen, uh, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, we uh, the house is haunted by ghost raccoons. Yes. It's, uh- <laughs> JP just comes over. He's like, "Well, we got the mom." She is out in North Jersey, so we took care of her. The babies, we don't even have to talk about that. Yeah, we're I mean, totally fine. So, so listen, so listen. I, I dropped the mom off in the country, so that's all good. And the babies, they're just gonna haunt your soul forever. So yeah. uh, listen, uh, we're gonna give you a. And then uh, I, you know, laid another burrito up there. So uh, if you could just, we're just gonna give you a, half, a check for that, or I, I can take cash. You know what? I'm gonna like your card and we'll call it. You know what? Let's throw the burrito in. I'm going to give you 50% off the bill. 10% for each one that didn't make it. <laughs> but, but, oh, but seriously, uh, uh, it's going to be pretty creepy here at night. All right, get it. <laughs> yeah. If you feel a, a sudden cold breeze, uh, it's, it's them. It's our ghosts. If you thought butterfly kisses were sweet. Oh, yeah. Ghost you, baby raccoon kisses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's getting pretty dark. What else we got on <laughs> Oh, my goodness. How do you move on? In case you missed it, uh, Fox, this is crazy. This is as crazy as baby ghost raccoons. Because if we know anything about raccoons, how they come back to their birthplace, their place of their birth throughout their life. Even as ghosts. You know, the thing about ghost raccoons, they never leave. They never leave. You know, that's the thing. So... The thing that the thing about the raccoon community that I do know and have witnessed mm-hmm. with my own eyes is they're a vengeful bunch. Oh, yeah. And when word gets out about the murder of their next generation, mm-hmm. the community raccoons will probably swarm and mm-hmm. want to seek vengeance on your family. Yeah, certainly. Well, I feel like right now we're sort of in danger of being like, hey, guys, we're running a sweet B&B. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Is the hole been patched that they got in? Because that's an important thing to know. Well, this is interesting. Okay. We thought I mean, it was. Uh, we had tried something before the traps called an eviction scent. And, uh, 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 we don't have to get into all that. It's, a, it's, but a, it's essential oil. Yeah, <laughs> it, is a, it is a talk. Let's talk to them. They put some lavender and patchouli and oil. So we replaced the part that they had chewed through. Yeah. Um, but then she just chewed through it again. Well, well, I, I heard. I talked to JB, and he said that uh, in the meantime, he's plugged the hole with a with a. 
extra steak burrito. <laughs> so he should be all set for the moment. Why don't you yeah, replace I mean, it? It's really jammed up in there. You should replace it one more time, but just kind of lace that board with a little something. All right. Uh, in case you missed it, Fox is developing a talk <laughs> show. This is for real. A talk show hosted by megachurch pastors called The Preachers. Oh, clever, uh, clever title. The new series is being uh, executive produced by the co-creator of The View, uh, Bill Getty, and a test run of the series will run on Fox-owned stations in New York and L.A. this summer. The Preachers features a roundtable of megachurch pastors, including Lakewood Church's John Gray, okay. who's in the new issue of Relevant, yeah. That's good. Um, the House of Hope's Dr. E. Dewey Smith, Jr., God Seekers uh, Church's uh, Oric Quick and Empowerment Temple AME's Dr. Jamal Bryant. In a statement, Getty said, After the view, I figured I'd never do another panel show, but these preachers knocked me off my feet. They're not just another set of talking heads yakking about the events of the day, like this podcast. They bring real-world experience as <laughs> pastors and counselors. They have a unique spiritual take on things, and they're funny as beep. I mean, heck, that's what he said. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I mean, there's possibility for it to be great. I kind of want to, like, I was goofing <clears throat> on it at first, but then I heard who the people were on yeah. it. Sounds actually kind of great. Yeah, could be interesting. Good what, for are them. They, what are they going to do? What's the premise? Are, are they just going to solve people's problems? No. Yep. Well, well, have you from, seen Doctor Oz? Preview I've seen it's it's basically a roundtable where sort of like the View or any number of those roundtable type of the talk or those type of shows where they literally sit around a roundtable and talk about topic after topic selected by the producers from their you know perspectives as megachurch preachers. In case you missed it, it was announced this week that Jon Stewart is heading back to TV with new political content for HBO. Now, we don't know a lot of specifics, but HBO CEO uh, said this week on CNN that he's hopeful that the new content from uh, Jon Stewart will be uh, on air before the election actually happens. So I would be curious if it's like Daily Show kind of content, right? I feel like he wouldn't go back to that. I think it would be a lot more pointed and a lot more... Yeah, I don't think it's about jokes and guests. No, I wonder if it'll be more like yeah. real sports on HBO, where it's more like short oh, documentary features. So he yeah. does like that could be cool. three or four, and then they hits. can spin out onto viral. And yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll probably be a lot of that. You're yeah, right. because he cares about a lot of things that are outside of just the topics. <coughs> today, he does all the work for veterans and things. Yeah. Did you hear Larry Wilmore's uh, speech at the the White House Correspondents Dinner? Oh, um, that was painful. A painfully amazing. No, I I'm saying it was incredible. No, it's that whole Michael Scott thing. I yeah. cringe when Michael Scott makes the room awkward. Yeah. Jesse turns up the volume. I mute yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm watching it and I'm going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I can't believe he's saying this. And he's right there. That I mean, like when he called out Wolf Blitzer yeah. and like oh. poor Wolf is just trying to eat his burrito. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Someone at one point, he made a joke about Lester Holt and someone in the audience literally screamed in terror. Like, literally. Like, <laughs> I, I watched yeah. it. I watched it last week because I, I thought Obama stand. He's got great writers. His every joke he he killed. It, you know, it doesn't matter your political thoughts about him. His stand up set was funny. Yeah, and it was followed by Larry Wilmore. And by all standards, Larry Wilmore bombed. Yeah, and but I <laughs> yeah. thought it was I thought yeah. it was super funny and hilarious. And it was just like the the crowd was you know not ready to be roasted as hard as he roasted. He, did, he roasted. But I listened to a follow up interview. Huh. Uh, with Larry Wilmore on fresh air, fresh air the next day. And he said, he basically said that wasn't his intention. Like he knew he lost the room pretty like close in. <laughs> and we're just like, I got no choice. This is the material. Right. We're doing this thing. Yeah. That, I mean, it's like the podcast. We know pretty early how it's going to go. And we just double down and ride that wave. Yeah, you, like, know? you know what? We've already lost him. So what the heck? We talk the about the baby raccoons. <laughs> just talk about the raccoons. We'll get him back what? another day. We pulled out of the driveway and went directly into the ditch this week. 
<laughs> well, we did it now. We just been spinning the tires, slinging ball all over the neighbor's house. That's our. That's the new slogan. You know slogan. what? We're not going to stop until but we run out of gas. Yeah. No. So. No. No. Coming up later. Coming up later. Lauren Daigle and Dan Allender are going to come and push that car right it's, out of that ditch, and we're going to get on our way. Almost as if we knew they that's were awesome. going to happen, yeah. so we could just be the other part of the pendulum. Because honestly, right? we are setting them up. We're setting them up. They're going to knock it out of the ballpark. That's yeah. the crazy thing. We have two phenomenal guests this week. Shauna, what is it on your cabinet behind you? I'm just kidding. You know, that's not a, that, you don't need to worry about that one's definitely a ghost. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> you can't shoot him away. It's so weird. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, Chance the Rapper was on The Tonight Show this week. I like Chance a lot. I don't know if you know his music. He he performs hottest a lot. Hottest fire, that guy. Uh, 100, 100, 100. He's the hottest fire. He's as, <laughs> he's as hot as uh, Dick Van Dyke was yeah. in his day. Uh, yeah. Chance the Rapper debuted a worshipful new song called Blessings when yeah, he was on The really Tonight good. Show. It was great. It is good. Yeah, uh, it's from his new mixtape called Chance 3, which uh, came comes out tomorrow, uh, May 14th. Uh, here's a clip of the performance. I know the difference between blessings and worldly possessions, like my ex-girl getting pregnant and her becoming my everything. War with my wrongs, I'm writing four different songs. I never forced it to forfeit it, I'm a force to be reconciled. They want four-minute songs. You need a four-hour praise dance performed every morn. I'm feeling shortness of breath, so Nico grab you a horn. Hit Jericho with a buzzer beater to end the quarter. Watch brick and mortar fall like dripping water. Ooh. Obstacles in life, many, many trials and tribulations that come on. But you got to realize and know that even the Jericho walls must fall. Every wall must You know, it features a gospel choir, uh, a verse from gospel star Byron Cage. The song openly, obviously, talks about uh, Christianity and has Christian lyrics, uh, like the chorus: "When praises go up, the blessings come down." Uh, he, it's just like the next step where he like alluded to kind of growing up in the church, and then like his music has gotten more and more and more overt about That's faith. Cool. I feel uh, like the the. The faith rap community, uh, such a dorky way to say it, right? But like, is gaining. Like, I saw Lecrae on, um, what was it, Fallon? Yeah. Sitting with the band. And it was like, great and amazing. And there he is. Well, He's been we, on we, several times. Yeah. 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 And, and we, we did something in uh, Front Matter recently that looked oh, at right. some of these hip hop stars, uh, especially in like Kanye's circle. You know, Chance was a. His contribution to the to, uh, life of Pablo was what, you know, his last minute contribution kind of held up the, the initial release, according mm-hmm. to Kanye. But a lot of people in that circle have talked openly about faith and, and Christianity. And some of the times it's a bit of a conflicted relationship, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty open. If you follow Chance on Twitter, I'm not saying go do that, but he's he's been tweeting like uh, a couple of tweets that he recently sent. One was like he said uh, something about the name of Jesus. Oh, oh how I love the name Jesus. And that was the entire tweet. But um, one that caught my eye, he said, today's the last day of my old life, last day smoking cigs, headed to church for help. All things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, that's like a great example to set, you know, to his fans and followers, which is really cool. Um, He's also helped the uh, hashtag faith in action um, 
uh, initiative which promotes nonviolence in his hometown of Chicago. So, oh, that's good too. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, very cool guy. Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesse, uh, what's happened uh, this week on uh, RelevantMagazine.com? Yeah, so in addition to uh, uh, blowing up because of uh, uh, a small write-up about Bieber's face tattoo, there's a lot of other interesting content going on. <laughs> Bieber's face tattoo was like the number one or two trending topic on Facebook, and yeah. when you clicked it, there was our article. Yeah. So yeah. like no our, our site yeah. really blew up because of Bieber's yeah. face tattoo. It was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, actually, we uh, it's now the uh, relevant Justin Bieber podcast, so yeah. we're really happy that you're here. <laughs> again, again, when, Cameron, when, when you get your journalism degree... <laughs> And you think about the way you're going to impact. Because we were right below like Time Magazine with that story. And I was thinking, you know, uh, how, how could I have any idea that my part of my I- impression on the world through journalism will be be front and center on the J- Justin Bieber face tattoo conversation? <laughs> Help to contribute to that. So, uh, there was more stuff going on on the site this week, as Cameron said. There was a, one of the pieces that I think it, this is this is interesting in a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, Woody Allen was in the news uh, 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 for the last yeah. week or so because of a long interview he did with the Hollywood Reporter, and everything he does is controversial. He has you know, he, in addition to being a prolific filmmaker, he has a lot of very controversial uh, uh, and disturbing things in his personal life. But what we did was we actually looked back at a really interesting moment in pop culture history that's pretty much been lost to culture. Happened in 1969 in our piece, Remembering the Time Woody Allen Debated Billy Graham About oh, yeah. God and Sex. Yeah. And so back in 1969, Woody Allen had a one-night TV special that had comedy, it had music, it had uh, uh, stand-up, it had sketch bits, but It's basically in the like middle. a dinner party at my house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're familiar with the Dick Van Dyke model of dinner parties, <laughs> it's almost exactly like that. But yeah. right in the middle of this all, he sat down for 10 minutes with Billy Graham to talk about sex and God and issues in pop culture from two completely different perspectives. Why not? It is a fascinating forgotten moment in pop culture. We actually have the interview that you can go check out and read more about the context of this uh, uh, conversation on the site. It was a really fun thing to kind of research and put together. Uh, so you can check it right now, check it out now on relevantmagazine.com. There you go. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Okay, it's time for entertainment releases. Albums coming out on May 20th. Now, albums are tough. I've noticed the music industry has changed, right? Because Radiohead came out of nowhere. Beyonce came out of nowhere. Drake came out of nowhere. So these these entertainment releases that we... These are the ones that are known about. Or even even. Even Chance the Rapper, he announced the album on The Tonight Show, like, you know, less than a week before it comes out. Yeah, so it's like, you know, this is the stuff that... uh, you know, it's planned. These people are planners. Which I respect in their own right. Sure. I like. Uh, Car Seat Headrest is coming out with Teens of Denial. This is a great album. It's really it cool. It is an incredible way. album. And we got to talk to him at South by Southwest. And he has some interesting things to say about faith as well. So Ooh, Car Seat Headrest? Yeah, for that. Car Seat yeah. Headrest. Uh, Bob Dylan is coming out with Fallen Angels. Never heard of him. <laughs> Ariana Grande is coming out with Dangerous Woman. And Eric Clapton is coming out with I Still Do because it's a reply album to somebody saying, you make music? I still do. (laughs) (laughs) It's just him. It's a spoken word album. He goes, yeah, I still do. (laughs) (laughs) And then then the guy from uh, I Will Drink Your Milkshake writes a score for the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Flame and Mike Real are coming out with Revival EP as well. Uh, yeah, another album that came out, a Christian hip hop group Social Misfits came out with an EP, and there it was phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Secret secret music is the way to do secret it. Music. <laughs> so, secret music. Secret honestly is the trend right yeah. now. It's very frustrating when you're trying to tell people about good music to come out. 
Or plan a magazine. (laughs) (laughs) We had a meeting today about names like to pursue, and it's like, or anyone else who surprises the world by releasing an album that they didn't announce. Like Weezer, you love Weezer. Oh man, I subscribe to a Vinyl Me Please, a, sub- a subscription record service. Yeah. And every month you get a new album, you don't know what it is. Don't, yeah. It's exclusive pressings and usually really interesting stuff, but it's yeah. curated. I opened the box two days ago. It was a Weezer album. Which oh, one? Pinkerton. Pinkerton is it is a uh, classic album. Why, why did I even? It's like a reissue, and I literally left it in the wrapper. So when I see you next time, I can give it to you. I, dude, I would actually love that because that is Ugh. one of my favorite albums of all time. And their oh, new gosh. album isn't that bad either. All like right. the, I, Zane right. Lowe was right. playing it. I mean, it's it's got a couple of really good songs right. on it. All right, Weezer. Yeah, Those guys are uh, friends of ours. I think I told you that before. The Vinyl Me Please guys. Yeah. Oh, well, that's They're cool. I thought you were friends. talking about Weezer, and I was like, I was oh. thinking, no way, you're friends with Weezer. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not friends with Weezer. Sorry. Do you like tell them what kind of music you like, or do they just curate? No, that's that one you just curate. I have another vinyl service called The Edit, and you sign up for it, and every day they will text you an album. Like they'll send you a text around five o'clock every day, and you can hit uh, like, dislike, or yes. And when and it'll say here's the album, and it'll say the price, and then you just say yes, and it's shipped to you. And it's usually like stuff that they're finding you know, used or whatever. It's like limited stuff. And, Neat. and it'll be like twelve ninety nine. Hit yes if you want it. And then if you like, don't like, oh, I don't like that kind of music. You say dislike and then it like kind of curates it. what yeah. they send to you. That's cool. Cool. Uh, the Angry Birds movie <laughs> is coming out on May 20th. I'll be there. Of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> the cast is great though. So will Sean. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's uh, Peter Dinklage, Jason Sudeikis, Bill Hader, Kate McKinnon, Keegan, Michael Kay. That's, yeah. that's yeah. great actually. Yeah. But why are they so angry? We find out. Yeah, yeah well, those pigs yeah. are invading the island. Well, they took up residence in one of them, the attics, no, and uh, you can't you can't get rid of them. Stop. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You just have to lob them at the structure until it collapses. I think that's how you get rid of raccoons and pigs. Yeah, yeah. I, you know how to keep them out. If anything, if I if I know my game right, is you just border the walls of your attic with ice. It's really hard to break through that. Almost you have a special. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. That'd be easy in Chicago. Uh, also coming out May twentieth, Neighbors Two, Sorority Rising. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the Seth Rogen, Zac Efron, uh, Selena Gomez. Movie. I like, I like, I like scoff at it, but you know it'll be super funny. The Nice Guys is coming out. Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, Kim Basinger. Now this is this is the one to me that is uh, falling into your theory of oh, yeah. over marketing. They have been going nuts. I mean, they presented at the Oscars, didn't they together? I'm like, okay, I get and it. And Russell Crowe hosted SNL like SNL, a month ago. A month and a half ago. Yeah. The did, NBA yeah. playoffs is all about this. Yeah, it's we, like, get, we get oh, it. Oh. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. Also coming out a documentary called Wiener about uh, disgraced New York Congressman just, Anthony Wiener. I just listened to a uh, show about that. Podcast. It's yeah. supposed about to that. be incredible. Yeah. yeah, I've heard it's great. There you go. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for entertainment releases in case you missed it and your raccoon update. Stay tuned up next. Slices.
listening to The Chainsmokers. The song is Don't Let Me Down, featuring Daya. It's actually a WW remix. Um, I love that song. The remix is great, too. So that's it. That's awesome. I'm so glad. At the beginning of the podcast, you were listening to AWOL Nation with their debut here on the podcast uh, with their song Sale. Very apropos. <laughs> Okay, it's time for slices. <laughs> what do you have, Jesse? All right, so a lot of people have been wondering, how will Sylvester Stallone oh. uh, uh, follow up <laughs> his <laughs> reemergence into talks about his serious contributions in Hollywood after Creed? I mean, Creed was, uh, you know, he was nominated for an Oscar for that role. Like, Ooh. you know, a lot of people forget he's an Academy Award winning writer. Uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone. It's kind of a weird career. It's kind of been a caricature, but he, he's following up Creed, right? Something that's really an important film last year. That's helped amazing. launch the career of Ryan Coogler, the director. What will he do next? I call him the Coog. Coogs. No. Ryan the Coog Coogler. Yeah. He's another guy where you look at his career, you're like, I have accomplished so little because he's like 29. And, and and just directed uh, uh, Creed, and now he's doing the next movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Black Panther. He's pretty incredible. But anyway, so oh, what wow. will Sylvester Stallone do? He's just announced his latest project, which he's releasing with Netflix, which I want to announce on the podcast right now. I will be applying to participate in. <laughs> it is Netflix's first reality show called... <laughs> Ultimate Beastmaster. Oh my goodness. I don't even know what it's about to know that the, you just won it. I'm in. I'm in. I don't need to know either. I'm in <laughs> Ultimate Beastmaster. There is one thing that he, that Sylvester Stallone has been incredible at his whole career. It's naming films. He wanted to name one of the Rocky movies Pearl of the Cobra. Ooh. Cool. Like, I feel like Sylvester, everything Sylvester Stallone wants to name something is the most awesomely 80s name possible. His show is Netflix. Like I said, their first reality show called Ultimate Beastmaster. They're a lot of scripted stuff. But <laughs> according to a release that he gave to Variety, the idea from the show is that they're going to nine cities around the globe, including one here in the U.S., and they're going to install the most, quote-unquote, demanding obstacle course imaginable. Uh, and I'm hoping demanding means dangerous. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think and it so does. And each obstacle course across these nine cities is called the Beast. Okay, oh. the Beast. So it's like Wipeout. Yeah, well, or American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. But oh, this great. is Stallone we're talking about. So I'm thinking there's going to be a death every episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to go straight to Netflix. It couldn't uh, FCC. Couldn't yeah, yeah. I mean, this, yeah. You, this is way illegal. And this yeah. is why they chose the nine countries so carefully, because it's, it's illegal on most of the planet. Yeah, it's all like Venezuela, Cambodia. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the jungles of Vietnam is the entire <laughs> series takes place. Uh, so, uh, so in each one, uh, contestants from these 100 contestants from each of these countries will try to conquer will try to master the beast uh, okay so uh at the final episode of the 10 that will air on netflix or, or be posted on netflix uh the ultimate beast master will be crowned and that's the one who can actually make it to the final most hard the hardest one each country will have its own host and the u.s it's none other than Terry Crews. Oh, oh I love nice. that guy. Oh, I think say Joe Rogan, but He's this really that's way better. Yeah. Yeah. So I am like, there hasn't been a lot of Netflix series since uh, uh, what was his easy, Master of None went off that I've been like super excited about watching. Ultimate Beastmaster. If I can't participate, I will in the very least be watching and doing everything I can to get Sylvester Stallone. Terry Crews, or one of the Beastmasters on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to, uh, Terry's actually a strong Christian. 
Uh, he is. Yeah. He is. Uh, In both he's, ways. He, Yes, yes literally. <laughs> probably the strongest Christian. Right. I mean, he doesn't have a face tattoo of a cross, but physically, he's probably the strongest Christian. Yeah. Yeah. He can lift more weight than any Christian. I will I say love that. Channing. He just laughs the whole time. Yeah. He just I'm giggles and laughs. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very yeah, Jeremiah moment. would just stand there and like stare at us silently. It was very dis- really? disconcerting. No, it was, it's yeah. hard to have him around. <laughs> yeah. He did a lot of grunting and heavy breathing. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Eddie? Okay. Um, John Malkovich has released a new project. On the other end of the spectrum of entertainment. Other, very <laughs> much on the other end of the spectrum. But I want to start because... Though I could see John Malkovich <laughs> beating in the Expendables as, but, like a, as like a villain. That would not be outside the realm of... That's true. Me. No, no, totally. Yeah. No, it would totally be. But, um, it's, so it's kind of a weird one, but I want to ask you first. Do you have any, like, um, does anybody know, like, if you die, like, what you want done? Like, does anybody have any sense of, like... Like I want to be buried, or well, hopefully somebody noticed or remembers. In you some just way, want somebody to yeah, notice. Yeah, just, yeah, I want to be pushed out into the ocean and shot with flaming arrows. And the person that hits, <laughs> it, it, actually, the makes... person that hits me gets all of my things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, already, I've already planned out. My, so my, my will says Viking funeral, winner take all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called, and and, and you're, you you get the title ultimate Viking Beastman. funeral, winner get, take all. <laughs> Lawyer, I spent a lot of money for a lawyer to draft that, that up to make sure it's, it's, by, it's legal now. It's binding. And they open up a box of all your stuff, and it's just like a slinky, and there's like <laughs> teeth that chatter that around the table, and like a copy of Relevant, and that's all you had. And, and the pirated uh, and copy. Of a burrito. <laughs> and a co- pirated copy of the Beastmaster. From Beastmaster. So, uh, a final copy of Pinkerton. <laughs> it's really great. Just give it a listen. <laughs> A lot of bands say this is an influential album. It's an unopened copy with Cameron's address on the front of it. It's really meaningful. Uh, Well, John Malkovich has done something, not surprisingly, somewhat strange. Uh, He and a director who I had never heard before, but he is the director that did such classics as uh, like Spy Kid 3D or something like that. So he and that director uh, teamed up. Robert Rodriguez, right? How? On Earth. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You're right. How did you know that? You really have a problem, Jesse. That was like unbelievable that you well, knew that. Well, I only know that because, well, I you've know read this for article. a lot of reasons, but go, no, I didn't read this. I, I, I know the slice, but I know that fact for other reasons that would take too long to get into. Though. <laughs> What? <laughs> we'll talk about it another time. We uh, are in a the career of Robert Rodriguez is very interesting, like Paul Thomas Anderson. If you guys want to talk about it sometime, but. all right. Can you give us anything that's interesting about him? That's I'm into it now. Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, it was interesting that he did those films and they were actually like favored pretty well with critics, but he's looked at as a guy that is more like in the Tarantino ilk. And he does Spy Kids 3D. Yeah, and and like I said, those movies were viewed pretty favorably uh, uh, with, you know, in in terms of critics. Oh, interesting. The uh, the Sky Kids movie with Jessica Alba and Joel McHale. Those? Uh, I think they were in. They might have been in the third one. I don't think they were in the first. Um, wow. I'd have to. I have to look back. But uh, he did a couple of the Grindhouse movies with Tarantino back oh my in the day. Goodness, Rodriguez. Yeah. Man, you are 
just endlessly impressive, Jesse, the stuff that you know. It's really true. So this guy, uh, who Jesse knows, and uh, John Malkovich have teamed up with a a company that makes cognac called Louis the 13th. I guess it's a very, very expensive cognac, like thousands of dollars a bottle. Oh, wow. And it takes 100 years to make this cognac. That's why apparently it's so expensive. So they've teamed up, and they made a movie, an entire full budgeted movie that no one will see for 100 years. They locked it in a safe. It's a time release safe in the in Prince's house. Right yeah. now, it's at the yeah. right now it's at the Cannes Film right. <laughs> it's at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, no one will ever see it. No one has screen it. They're not going to do any screenings of it. It will. The safe will then be moved to uh, where the cognac is made, and uh, it won't open for a hundred years. The movie is just called the Hundred Year Movie. They're not even releasing the title of it. If you go to the IMDb. All it says is like John Malkovich, uh, villain, and then this other actress, hero. Like there's no storyline, anything. There's a trailer about it, but the trailer isn't even a trailer of the movie. It's a trailer of what they envision the world may look like in 100 years, and it's all like sci-fi stuff. So the idea is, is they've made a movie that won't be released for 100 years so that they've made something for the future. And apparently the movie is about how they envision uh, the future, and it's sort of a letter to the future. Well, like the Jetsons. It's like the Jetsons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting. It's crazy. It's, I, I think, it, yeah, it's a super interesting idea that, uh, you know, it, like you're saying, it's like a time capsule. Totally, like, totally like a time capsule. Really expensive time capsule. But a time capsule about their time, you know, right. like, or what we think. So the, yeah. Interesting. The Cognac Company, Louis Thirteenth, gave out a thousand metal tickets <laughs> that will allow the receiver's descendants to go see the screening. So you take these metal what? tickets and you pass them on. Like so, like like in Jesse's box, his Viking winner take all yeah. box. Right, you yeah. open it. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Another thing to drop in there. Um, but yeah, so at the end of the like the little fakey trailer thing they made explaining it, John Malkovich ends it in his very weird way by saying, "I was John Malkovich," and then it just goes to black. Oh, weird. You're like, wow. I don't like that. So um, this is a movie I guess we'll never see, but I just think it's fascinating. They made art that will never be shown. I also have a theory that within you've six written a couple columns on the internet that nobody will ever see. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they're disappeared. Just I've written actually about seventy-two of them that will never be seen. Shauna, so. you may know this. Yes. Was it Kafka who d- said that he wanted all of his work burned at his death, and Metamorphosis and the remaining works that are published were kept from bur- being burned by a friend against his will? Is that true? I think that is true. So I think that's exactly all, all that's true. All that to say is Eddie people producing stuff just for the sake of producing it, whether it's seen in a hundred years or never seen at all, isn't, uh, you know, totally without precedence. Very interesting. Absolutely. All right. What do you have, Shauna? So, um, I would like for you guys to guess the top five most popular restaurants in America. So obviously they have to be chains, but they're not fast food. Okay. Oh, they're not fast food. Oh, okay. But, 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 but they're, they're, uh, uh, yeah, they're quote unquote casual dining, but it's a pretty big spectrum of like really casual to pretty formal chilies. I was going to say chilies. No. Macaroni grill. TJ Fridays. Macaroni grill is on there. TJ Fridays. No, not Fridays. Olive garden. Yeah. No. Chipotle. No, that's too fast. That's fast. No. Uh, I know the answer, so I can't Outback. say. Yeah, but no, I, I would not have Outback. guessed. Outback—that's a good one, Channing. Uh, Channing no, said Outback. they are strained, not Outback. Okay, do you want me to just tell you? No, I need. To, we need to get one more. You need, okay. So, so what so do we got? So far, you so have hard. one out of five. Can I? Can I give them a hint, Shauna? Of yes. one of yeah, them, not sure. the main one. One of them is a non-traditional dining experience. Dave and Buster's. Okay, I, I will say Olive Garden. 
Dang, but Chuck E. Cheese. Red Lobster. No, no, no. When I say non-traditional, I mean you do something red at lobster your table. Red Lobster is one of them. Okay, we got Red Lobster. We got non, non-traditional. That you dining. actually do something to the food at your table. Oh, that, that's God. a change. Melting Pot? Yes. Oh, what? I hate that place. Really? What? Oh, who likes to cook their own food? I've never been there. I do. Okay, well. It's pretty fun. Yeah. There's two missing, and one of them is the number one. You're missing the number one. All right, number one. Let, let me give you another hint. Number one has a dessert in the title of the Cheesecake rest. Factory. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so the number one is Cheesecake Factory. The other four in the top five are Melting Pot, Red Lobster, and Macaroni Grill, and Bonefish Grill, oh, yeah, which sure. I feel like. Like, Bonefish. I mean, that's I know they're sort of popular, but I, I can't believe it's top five. Yeah, that's yeah well, well they, they measured on a bunch of different categories. Like it's like how much niche. people like them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but so then, then the, the interesting thing about Cheesecake Factory. No steakhouses. Is, I just can't believe Chili's isn't on that. Yeah, I agree with I, you. I, I would no, have thought Chili's, about it, like, Olive Garden, Chili's. Fridays, I don't know. No Olive Garden, no Lone Star, no Longhorn Steakhouse. Ch- Chili's, thing that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the list right now, is 35. America not picking a steakhouse. That's odd. Okay, but so what's fascinating is Cheesecake Factory's number one yeah, yeah. people's favorite restaurant. It's it's also the only restaurant that has not one but two meals in the top nine most unhealthy restaurant meals you can ever have. Oh, I think yeah. we have our connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. What I love about this, especially there are a couple really key quotes. So they ask some um, nutritionists about these nine worst restaurant meals. <laughs> And their quote is, they have a total disregard for the obesity epidemic and the coming diabetes tsunami, (laughs) Tsunami. which I think is poetic. (laughs) Um, And then what they say specifically about the Cheesecake Factory is that they have a knack, the Cheesecake Factory has a knack for turning its patrons into walking, make that sitting, fat cell factories. (laughs) Nice. And that's Isn't like that a legit nutrition organization. Yeah. Cheesecake Factory, the menu alone it's it, it's so big. It has ads in it. It's like a telephone book. If you get one of their salads, you know, half size, it'll still have 1400 calories. No for real. Like it's insane. They want to be all things to all people and apparently they are. Yeah, what a metaphor. What a metaphor. And right? I love that their baseline <laughs> is just what like we're going to build a foundation of cheesecake. And then we're just going <laughs> to yeah. build it. When cheesecake is what's getting you in the door, you can serve whatever you want to America. But, 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 the, thi- but the other thing is, too, like if you put factory in the name, much <laughs> right. less cheesecake, no one is under the illusion that they're going to eat healthy there. Yeah, like, we have, at we, least they're laying their cards right out on the table. Like that is Olive absolutely Garden, true. Olive Garden, both Olive and Gardens are healthy things. Right. Like the Mediterranean diet, but nothing there is probably all that healthy. So at least at least Cheesecake Factory is being forthright with you. You right. know? Well, that'll do it for Slices. Uh, stay tuned up next. Lauren Daigle joins us. This episode of The Relevant Podcast is brought to you by EWCon, a conference by Essential Worship featuring Erwin Raphael McManus, Vertical Church Band, Levi Lusco, Amanda Cook, Jason Ingram, Mosaic MSC, and many more. 
Ministry is hard. We can become stagnant and forget to dream, but God doesn't want us to live there. We believe that God is calling us to greater things for ourselves, our churches, and the people we serve. EWCon is where worship leaders, pastors, and creatives make space to be inspired and refreshed. We want to join in the song that heaven has been singing for eternity. Where struggle finds rest, sorrow finds joy, where reality finds inspiration. Our desire is to look back on our stories and see a journey that doesn't make sense apart from God. Register by May 31st to save $100 on registration. For more details, check out conference.essentialworship.com. Listening to Han and Izzy Aizu. The song is Someone That Loves You. Great song. Lauren Dago is a singer, songwriter, and worship leader. Her most recent release is called How Can It Be? and it just came out. We recently spoke with Lauren about the stories behind five songs that changed her life. Here is Lauren Daigle. song that I chose was Daydreamer by Adele. Um, I found this song, I guess I was 16 at the time um, when it came out. And I just remember being completely swept away in the quirkiness of the melody and um, the different things that she does vocally was incredibly inspiring to me. I remember when I was listening to the song, I felt as if I knew exactly who she was talking about. I felt like I was sitting there, like on the the steps of the front stoop um, at their house, and like I could just talk to that person. It it became so real to me by the way she she painted the picture, all the colors of her vocal that matched with the lyric and the the way she was able to be um, so descriptive but also where she could be talking about a million different people. It's, it's kind of an art in a way for you to feel like it's one person, but she could be talking about something completely different. The way she uses um, metaphor is just breathtaking to me. You can find him sitting on your doorstep. song was well it's hard to choose from the list but I love John Mayer trio and his rendition of good love is on the way was one of my absolute favorites it was Pina Palladino on the bass and Steve Jordan on the drums and it was I, I grew up in South Louisiana and we love to dance 
to Cajun exotica music. Um, you kind of grow up doing that from a young age, and then you hop on over to New Orleans, and there's a lot of jazz and soul music there. And I just remember feeling the pocket of the groove of that song was, it just made me want to explode on the inside. I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, what is, what is this that I'm feeling? And then combining that with the lyric, um, it kind of makes you feel like the world is one big happy family and that there's hope for what's to come. I, I just love, I loved that groove um, and how, how sparse things were in the track. I mean, it's just those three and they make it feel so incredibly rich. Number three kind of hones it in quite a bit. Um, number three is Hosanna by Hillsong United, um, who I'm out with right now, so it's kind of fun. And the reason why I chose Hosanna was because it was the very first song that I led in worship at my, my local church. I went to a really small church of about two or 300 people I didn't know if I could sing or not. I just would always sing around the house. And my mom went to the worship leader and said, hey, you know, we're listening to our daughter all the time singing. If you have any encouragement for her, or if y'all ever need any help on, on your worship team or anything, just let her know. And he pulled me around uh, to the back porch of, of our church. And he said, hey, I want you to sing this this song. It's called Hosanna. Here's the chorus. I'm going to sing it to you and you sing it back to me. And I remember in that moment thinking, no one's ever heard me sing besides my family. I don't know if I can do this. Way to put me on the spot, you know. Um, but he knew exactly what he was doing. And I kind of sang it really soft, like, Hosanna, Hosanna, like that in my head voice. And he said, listen, girl, I've heard you laugh before. I know that you have a different voice than that. Don't sing that high stuff. I want to hear you really go for it. And at the time, I was like, well, is that actually singing or is it screaming? I don't even know what's the difference. And um, I just belted out the chorus. And he was like, good job. I'm proud of you. Uh, you're going to be leading that. And I was like, what? Because I hadn't even joined the worship team or anything like that. And what that song did for me is not just give me an opportunity to join the worship team, which was amazing and exactly what the Lord, he, he knew that he was doing. Um, but it was really a way for me to see kind of deeper into the realms of what worship actually is. And it's calling things into motion. It's adoring the Father. And it's joining in with what the angels are singing. 
while we're on the, the lines of worship is My So Longs For You by Jesus Culture. I remember listening to this song. Um, I was in college, so fast forward a few years from the Hosanna days. But <laughs> I was in college at LSU, and I met a new group of friends who were zealous for the Lord. They were the ones that were super passionate. And... Um, she, one of my friends gave me a CD, the Jesus Culture uh, Come Away album, and it was the first time that I had ever heard spontaneous worship before, um, so I was completely taken away, and when I, when I heard My Soul Longs For You, um, it's, it's a duet, and Kim, the way she kind of takes authority in that song, the way she um, connects with the Father and, and sings out over the people, it, it completely revolutionized my, my thought of, of worship. You know, with Hosanna, I was able to see what it means to connect with the Father and to sing the songs of heaven and, you know, oh, this is what worship feels like. I was so new, and I feel like when my so long, long came into my my lap, I was like, "Oh, this is how I express the places of my soul to engage other people to express that same thing to the Lord in their own unique way." This is going way, way back. But I heard this song again um, about two years ago. And it just reminded me so much of my childhood. But like when I was little, I remember thinking, wow, that's a beautiful melody. But the older I got, I realized, wow, that song is so simple. But one of the most profound songs that I've ever heard. And it's Michael W. Smith's version of Agnes Day. And um, I heard it, I guess it was about two years ago. And I just thought, how does someone pick up a melody like that, that completely brings people to the awe and wonder of who God is? You know, there's different melodies that 
um, communicate different emotions or, or um, different places in our in our heart. But to be able to briefly and minutely capture the awe and wonder of the presence of God by just such a simple chorus, holy, 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 just singing that over and over, the way that melody moves back and forth, um, it completely changed changed my life. Um, that sometimes we don't have to be theologically profound. Um, sometimes we can just sing the words that were written centuries ago and have the the notes match what uh, the match the power I'd say of what the simplicity means. Um, sometimes simple is more and that song completely emulates that for me. Daigle. Make sure to check out her new album, How Can It Be? It's out now. Yeah. You want me closer back to you. I thought I made it clear. Don't whisper in my ear. My body keeps getting weaker. I know you want me near. But your love is what I fear. It's beautiful the way you move. What's the boy to do? When he can seem to choose Yeah, beautiful, I must explain My mind's not in a good place And so the come down, please Don't touch me, boy listening to Ken's, the song is Fist. Dr. Dan Allender is a professor and former president of the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Dan's the author of 15 books, including The Wounded Heart. Uh, that's helped hundreds of thousands of people come to terms with abuse in their past. Now, 25 years later, uh, Allender has written a brand new volume on the subject. Our very own Eddie Koffeltz recently spoke to Dan and had a very honest conversation about abuse faith and healing. Here is Dr. Dan Allender. 
my first question is a little on the nose, and I hate asking this of authors because it feels like such a throwaway question. But due to the nature and the importance of this book, I wanted you to explain what this volume is about. Eddie, the book uh, is intended to take folks who have acknowledged that there is sexual harm in their life uh, and to enter into the question of what does redemption, what does real profound transformation look like. Uh, 25 years ago, I wrote a book called The Wounded Heart, and uh, the publisher at that point said that uh, they probably assumed there would be no more than about 3,000 books sold. Uh, Obviously, 25 years ago, sexual abuse was not a topic that was being addressed. Uh, And I say as an author, I'm thrilled, but as a human being, heartbroken that the book sold over half a million copies. The reality at that time was a high level of denial, simply the unbelief that abuse could occur as often as it does. But over the last 25 years, we have seen so much more clarity uh, about the role of evil uh, in the role or in the context of abuse. But we've also understood so much more about the body and the brain as it is affected by trauma uh, and stress. So one of the things I wanted to do was not just do an update on the wounded heart, but actually engage the new material that I've learned over the last 25 years. And so it really is a retrospective, while at the same time, a kind of standalone book that invites people into a deeper understanding of of the effects of abuse on the human heart. It occurs to me that you know, people listening to this may go, well, I, I have no intersection with abuse, yet the amount of copies that have been sold and the statistics that we know don't bear that out to be true. Can you, as, as, can you define the word abuse? Yeah. Uh, whenever uh, you have encountered a sexual experience that you did not choose, uh, usually uh, groomed or set up by someone with more sophisticated uh, control and power over you, you've got the domain of sexual abuse. So that includes physical touch, but also can include so-called inappropriate interactions. Uh, Uncle walking in on you while you're showering as a 13-year-old girl, Uh, clearly not a mistake, but ogling your young body, or the experience of how pornography was first introduced into your life. Those situations where we often just view as that's weird or that's normal, uh, it's indeed where evil is working uh, to create a context of feeling betrayed, feeling powerless, and mostly feeling a sense of arousal uh, and yet hating what you're experiencing. When all those factors are there, uh, uh, we can step back and say the intent of evil is to ruin innocence uh, and to ruin the capacity of pleasure through shame, particularly through sexual shame. So from that standpoint, I'm not sure there's a human being on this earth who has not felt something of the violation of sexuality. You speak regularly and often in in all different rooms. You're walking into churches. You're walking into um, it just you know large groups of people that you don't know everyone there. When you walk on a stage and you are surveying the landscape, what do you assume about the people in that room? 
Well, what research tells us for sure is that over 52% of the women in the room have a history of some level of sexual violation, either uh, the kind of abuse that clearly is against the law or the kind of abuse that I just put words to, and that is a violation uh, visually, verbally, emotionally, uh, where there is sexual violation. What, what we found in a recent research study uh, was that 89% of high school girls, uh, seniors, have experienced at least one level uh, of sexual harassment. Uh, that is not just sexual bullying, but actual a violation verbally and otherwise. So you start looking at the reality of living in a fallen world, and you can't help but go, a whole audience has known some level of sexual violation being used uh, uh, other than in their own desire and sexually shamed. So from that vantage point, research would say at least 52%, but simply to say again, uh, virtually every woman in that room has known something of sexual violation. And the research about men would be about 33% um, would be the comparable category to the women's rate, about 52%. So we're looking at staggering numbers. If, if that if that was to be acknowledged as, uh, you know, how how long does it take to sexually abuse a child? Um, and I literally have had clients who were abused by a grandfather walking out their door uh, and, and 15 seconds, 10 seconds, uh, grandfather touches the breast of a 14-year-old girl. How long does it take? Well, literally seconds. And yet, um, what's the consequence? What's the life effect? And often it shadows the human heart for decades. So if you return or have a return on investment of a few seconds labor uh, and consequences that linger for decades, no wonder it is such a delight for the kingdom of darkness. I'm aware that you know, we have a, a large listening audience and people may have never, I mean, they were just tuning into a podcast today and they're in the gym right now and they're listening to this and their hearts are racing and something is being awakened in them that has been dormant for a long time or maybe hasn't, but they've never had a name for. Um, can you can you talk to them? Can you give them next steps? Can you help in this moment um, a, a little bit? Well, Eddie, what we've seen uh, over the 25 years is that uh, people uh, of, of what we'll call the boomer generation uh, tend tended at least to have a high level of denial with regard to the effects of abuse or the reality of abuse. But what we, what we see now among the millennials is far, far more a kind of indifference, a kind of, okay, yeah, so what? I had some pretty sketchy sexual experiences in college or high school, and uh, they were pretty ugly, but, you know, I'm over it. Uh, it's no big deal. It's common. happens to virtually everybody. Uh, why make a big deal about something that's just sort of like, uh, kind of like food poisoning? You get sick, you throw up, uh, but, it, it, you know, it's not a disease. It doesn't linger on. Well, it's just sort of what we have come to understand with regard to trauma. And no, it stays in the body. It particularly stays within our limbic system, our brain. And so to pretend that it doesn't have an effect on your life, that it's not affecting your spirituality, your relationships, 
relationships, your own self-identity, your ability to enjoy your body. So you may be in the gym literally working out uh, and, and somewhat obsessed about uh, losing weight, getting stronger. And at least some of those who are listening uh, have an intensity about their diet or about food or about uh, uh, working out that comes from a lot of body shame. And it, it's not that you're overweight. It's not that your body is unattractive, but the ambivalence, the shame and ambivalence we feel about our body uh, as a result of past sexual trauma uh, leaves us with this certain level of loathing, hatred, or if you can put it a little bit more acceptable terms, the kind of contempt we feel. So when you begin to address this, yeah, it gets worse, unquestionably. If you've been spending decades avoiding this, it will have an effect that creates a degree of nausea or despair. And yet, um, what we know about redemption is you cannot change what you don't name. Uh, and simply naming it, even in a broad category, like, yeah, he did weird stuff to me, or, you know, he shouldn't have done this, it was inappropriate. It's, it's a euphemism attempting to step away from not just naming sexual abuse, but entering the story. And again, other research that we have is just entering the story is not enough. It's entering the story with a level of kindness and care for the younger parts of who you are that's required for the grace of God uh, to indeed begin to permeate those parts that are so full of shame. When people start to acknowledge this woundedness and begin to walk through this process, I assume your recommendation would be with a, with a therapist, someone trained in this area. Is that accurate? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, in some ways you can say the damage came in the context of someone grooming you, setting you up. Uh, the harm came and the abuse lingers in part because of the power uh, of that uh, arousal and the sense of shame that's there. So you will likely need information. So the first level, I would say, is why a book like Healing the Wounded Heart is a great place to begin because you can read it. Uh, in your house, in your apartment, uh, at work, uh, you can read without having to engage another human face. Um, and we've also created a workbook that gives you a chance to begin to write. And what, again, research over the last 25 years has indicated, the more you're willing to put words on paper, uh, you will find that there is a kind of transforming power of engaging the story in a kind of face-to-face, word-to-eye level of engagement. So that's the first step. Uh, engage your story, at least by reading, thinking, uh, and writing. And then second, yes, you need uh, a face, uh, engagement with that story to allow you to enter more deeply. What we know, again, because of memory in the last 25 years uh, with neuropsychological research, is, is that we don't remember what happened. We remember what 
story we allow ourselves to tell. Now again, the base story, it's there in our memory, but what we actually say we remember is pretty much what story we've allowed ourselves to tell with regard to that. So that's why stories of abuse require reiteration, a telling, a retelling with a consistent face that knows how to walk with you through those stories to be able to begin to unearth the power of shame. Uh, and when that begins to occur, oh my goodness, uh, there are all sorts of relational spiritual, physical changes uh, that will need to be monitored and engaged for that person to continue to grow. Um, so, I mean, we're kind of walking through this process of a fictional person. There's the realization, there's the process of, of um, engaging the story. Um, does it, I don't know how else to ask this, does it, can it get better? Can they be okay? Can they be whole again? I mean, what can they heal? Yeah, I, again, it's a lovely question because uh, there is so much despair and almost that sense of it, it's just not worth it. Um, you know, why, uh, why once you've learned, you know, you've had a broken arm, it didn't get fixed properly, but you're functional. Uh, why go back and have it broken again? Uh, and part of the answer is because your arm may be functional, your life may be functional, but but you are not experiencing the fullness of what life is meant to be. And so, you know, even in Second Corinthians 3, where it says, and when the Spirit comes, there's freedom. You know, and that sense of freedom is meant to have a, a, a rich taste of joy. I mean, we'll never escape in a fallen world heartache uh, and struggle, but we can have worlds more freedom if we allow our heart to enter uh, something of the realm of death and resurrection. Resurrection. And in the sense of death, it's will you enter the suffering that you endured? And will you engage how you've come to adapt, to function, to cope in ways that actually increase the level of harm? So often our efforts to escape the harm, like uh, dissociation, uh, like addiction, uh, like just plain relational coping tactics that avoid a level of openness to other people, that's got to be addressed within that realm of grief. So in one sense, you're just so right. At first, it will not get better. It will be much harder. But in the difficulty, there will be a new level of hope that says, uh, my body's suffering, I'm suffering, but I know that this progress will take me to a new level of life. As people are um, discovering this and as they are walking through this process, um, I, I keep saying walking through this process, there's got to be a better way to say it, but um, as, as, for lack of a better uh, term, as they are walking through this process, I, I imagine one of the questions that must surface as they are thinking back to the moment or moments or seasons, maybe even of abuse, is where was God in this? I am sure you have been asked this question, I am sure you have tried to answer it. I would love to hear what you say. Well, uh, part of the difficulty is, yes, he was there. Uh, I mean, it, it, it isn't that God has lost his omnipresence uh, as a result of abuse. And so it becomes even more confusing. And that is, if you were with me, uh, you did nothing to stop the abuse. Um, you did nothing 
ultimately to soothe my heart in the abuse. And so the questions that come with regard to the relationship with God and goodness, if he's good, he can't be strong. If he's strong, he can't be good. Those core questions, uh, I'll be very blunt, don't get answered in the scriptures. And so any effort on my part as a therapist or a friend or with regard to the abuse in my own life uh, to try and find a quick answer that, that sort of gives a sense of, oh, I get it. Uh, there is no get it. It's more the confusion of uh, you are good uh, and, and your goodness can't be denied by my harm. But on the other hand, free will, knowing that indeed uh, uh, he has given us to that capacity to do good, but also to do harm, uh, doesn't, doesn't help because there are clear examples in Scripture and other people's lives where, you know, he allows the, the, the gas to run out of the car and then you frustrated on the side of the road, but you escaped a 20-car accident just ahead. Well, you know, if you can do that for someone, why is it that you didn't do that on my behalf? But those questions we forget are part of worship. Uh, in other words, the Psalms are made up of praise, lament and complaint, and thanksgiving. And there are more Psalms of complaint and lament than there are of either praise or thanksgiving. And you just have to say, what kind of God uh, invites us to take him on at the level of our heartache and questions and confusion, and then offers us not an answer, but indeed the sacrifice of his own son. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, on that Friday uh, was physically abused. We know that. Emotionally abused, unquestionable. But do you think as Romans, uh, soldiers uh, are stripping uh, and beating this prisoner, that they're not sexually humiliating him as well? So indeed, Jesus uh, has endured all that we have endured and uh, is faithful uh, to have covered the reality of our own sin. So as we engage him, he doesn't answer as much as he gives us the person of Jesus to engage. And as we do, now again, I can't explain it. Uh, I don't have a way of saying psychologically or even spiritually how it occurs, but our hearts come to be able to say, you meant it for evil, uh, but God meant it for good. And that paradox of being able to know what was done to me is evil, and yet somehow in that evil, there is a redemptive process that has taken me from death to life. That, that was a lot to handle. Um, it, it, it's a hard, that's a hard answer to hear. I, I, I agree with you, but it's still, I, I think the part where it's like almost the permission to wrestle and fight with God on this, because part of it just seems like, like that was such a tidy, thoughtful, well-researched answer. But also part of it is like, no, it's not okay. That was not okay that you were present in a room where something like that was happening and didn't just send down lightning bolts. It's hard to reconcile. Exactly. It's really hard to reconcile that. And maybe that's, that's the tension we're supposed to live in. Um, I, I'm aware when I'm talking to you because I've been a pastor at a church where we have brought you uh, to speak and you were kind enough to come and share with our congregation for a few days. Um, 
but I'm aware that <laughs> we did it because we needed you to have the conversation. We're like, oh, we don't know how to broach these topics. Bring Dan in. He's an expert. He's free in six months. Dan does this. Um, yet you can't be at all places at all times. And there aren't uh, there aren't a lot of you out there that are speaking such truth in such difficult situations. I guess the question that I'm trying to get to is, how are we doing generally as a Western church in engaging abuse, which everybody in our congregation has had some intersection with? And how can we be doing better? I guess that's loaded, as if I'm saying we're not doing well. But how can we be doing better? Well, I don't think we're doing well. But uh, I know yeah. this isn't a word, and uh, you yeah. know, Trump makes up words, so let me do so as well. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing weller than we did. Uh, and uh, you know, if you think about uh, the 80s when I wrote The Wounded Heart, uh, I mean, literally, uh, they were talking about, I don't think uh, this book will be allowed into a Christian bookstore. Uh, we're thinking about literally putting it in a paper bag so that nobody sees that it's on sexual abuse. I mean, the level of paranoia and fear about addressing the topic 25 years ago was incredible. And now, uh, not so much due to the church, but frankly, way more due to Oprah uh, and many others who have spoken about their own abuse, celebrities, sports people, you know, people next door. It's a more common topic. You're not as shocked that uh, someone was sexually abused. So we're in a far more open culture. But again, the byproduct of that is we're more, as I said earlier, in a more indifferent kind of like, ah, heard that before. Oh, somebody else was abused. Uh, And I think as a consequence, uh, we don't take seriously the question of what does it actually mean to live in a fallen world. So there'd be many people listening to this uh, who uh, have not been sexually traumatized in a capital A sexual abuse. Uh, but as I said earlier, everybody has known some level of sexual harm. So for us to begin to talk about sexuality, it's one of the reasons Tremper Longman and I, my co-author uh, on a book called God Loves Sex, um, began with that book rather than starting with this book, uh, because we wanted to talk about sexuality as a broader topic, and no book is better in the Bible than the Song of Songs to address sexuality. So this conversation about sex, about brokenness, uh, is not common, but uh, I'm grateful to say that at least it's more common than it was. And so to bring it into a Bible study, to bring it into uh, talking uh, about prayer, uh, to talk about living with trauma as part of living in a fallen world, may it become a more generalized topic where we don't have to be ashamed to name that we're broken and that we struggle. And the more we can do that, frankly, uh, the more we'll make progress in understanding how the gospel really intersects the deepest levels of our heartache. That was Dr. Dan Allender. Make sure to learn more at theallendercenter.org. There's a love between us two something's changing, I don't know why. And all I want to do is go home with you, but I know I'm out of my mind. There's a love between us Something's changing
You're listening to Shura. The song is Touch. Well, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you for your tips for Eddie. So uh, how, how he could become best friends with Kevin Max. So, you know, the, the reality of the internet is that this is recorded a couple days before you're hearing it. So we do not yet know if Eddie was successful in becoming best friends with Kevin Max. <laughs> but whatever will have had happened is has happened by the time yeah. you hear this. It, it, is, it is a foregone conclusion yeah. <laughs> at this point. Um, so you guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You also hit us up on the podcast episode page at RelevantMagazine.com and told us your tips on how Eddie can become best friends with Kevin Max. Here are a few of our favorites. My favorite is from Chris. Uh, Eddie should <laughs> make a Kevin Max shrine with a collage of his face made from DC Talk CDs. Surround it with candles, flowers, etc. Then show it to him. He'll love it and not think it's weird at all. I'm going <laughs> to add one thing to Chris's. Cut the eyes out of all the pictures, Eddie. <laughs> 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 hey, Eddie, J.J. Hey, hey, Carlson says... Eddie should ask Kevin to play and perform with him the entire Toby Mac library. Then as soon as it's over, Eddie should say, my dream is complete. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just ask him. Oh, that's so good. Like, uh, hey, Kevin, can I call you Michael the whole time? <laughs> like, the whole time? I, I don't have a favorite, but can I definitely call you Michael? <laughs> how, about, how about this one? This will, this will make you guys friends right off the bat. Eddie should lean in close with a question like this. Kevin? I know you guys wish we'd all been ready, but what we really want to know is if you are ready. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a really intense one. That's beast mode. Yeah. That's, that's fundamental, fundamental Baptist mode. Again, I mean, yeah. you're trying to strike an eternal friendship, so this will do the job. Yeah, I realize with the interview, I'm thinking too much about it. Here, well, this, this, one, this one's sound advice, and maybe we can end here because I think this one, uh, this is guaranteed to start a, a long-lasting friendship. Constant and unwavering eye contact at all times, yeah. even when not in conversation, <laughs> even when in conversation <laughs> with other people. <laughs> that's the mark. I think you got some good advice there. Yeah, Eddie. that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. You just try that one. Yeah, I feel like every couple of seconds I just ask him about like what cologne he's wearing. Yeah. But like always keep coming back to it. Like he's like, yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited about the new album. It's just got kind of real personal. Out. No, no, Kevin, I understand. But but specifically, like, do you put like a dab of it on? Do you put it like just on <laughs> two squirts? You smell great, man. Smell okay. Great. Katie McDonald has one Sorry. more. It's not creepy at all. And you can interpret this to mean whatever you want, Eddie. I have a picture in my mind of it. But one does not become friends with Kevin Mac. Max, one must be Kevin Max. So I think you introduce yourself to Kevin Max as Kevin Max. <laughs> I am Kevin. And you're dressed as <laughs> not no, weird. We're the same clothes. Like weird. What are the chances? <laughs> I, I, I have thought about like you know you don't show up in a DC talk shirt. Thank goodness. You know you got to be cool. Yeah. I realized I looked on eBay for you. You know that's sweet of you. They don't they don't have them for sale anymore. No, they are. No, there they are. Do. No, there's a lot. Expensive. They didn't. They didn't have any in my size. Like, yeah. the, like the old like vintage ones are actually kind of expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a crazy. couple in the ten dollar range though. No, I'm wearing you know my typical. I'm wearing what I'm wearing right now. I gotta be me, right? This and of course a feather boa to make them feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a top hat. Yeah, black eyeshadow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would give you. I would pay a lot of money that for that picture. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. That'll do for your last week's feedback there's a lot more tips he's writing them all down furiously but uh yeah yeah we appreciate that one it's time for this week's editorial question of the week well you know earlier we uh we heard the slice about the the hundred year 
film. The film that's yeah. you know being put in the, the Disney vault for 100 years. Nobody can see it. And it's a film kind of for the future generation, about mm-hmm. the future generation or something. We aren't totally sure. Yeah. Um, it got us thinking about time capsules. It got us thinking about what we would do that we would want 100 years from now them to know about our culture today. So if you were to put two items in a time capsule... For people to open in a hundred years that said something about today's culture, what would those two items be? Boy, that can go deep, can it? Yeah. I'm like really I'm interested. I'm, I'm legitimately interested to. I mean, obviously they're always funny, but this one's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, uh, you guys can hit us up on Twitter at uh, Relevant Podcast with your answers, or you could post your replies on the comments on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. I'd put in the complete uh, season of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Seasons obviously. one through three. And and, yeah. and final Pinkerton. And final. I think they know everything they need to know at I, that point. They get it. They get America. Yeah. I would put I would put the Cheesecake Factory menu. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> actually all you need to know. Jesse, that is exactly right. <laughs> and it just says two thousand fifteen or sixteen or whatever. This yeah. is this is why there aren't humans left. <laughs> no, this is why Wally came true. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. He picks just, it through the rubble and it all becomes clear. Well, many thanks to our guests for joining us today. Uh, check out Lauren Daigle's new album uh, at laurendaigle.com. It's phenomenal. You can follow her on Twitter at Lauren underscore Daigle, D-A-I-G-L-E. Yeah. Um, and thanks to Dr. Dan Allender for joining us. You can find out more about uh, his work at theallendercenter.org. Uh, it's powerful stuff. Thanks also to our show's sponsors. They make it possible, and your support of our sponsors uh, keeps us on the air. Uh, right now, Harry's it will give you $5 off your first order of the uh, Truman set by entering the promo code RELEVANT5 at checkout. So go check it out at H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, harrys.com, and use promo code RELEVANT5. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. For Sean and Nyquist. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Hey, listen, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, we, uh, the house is haunted by ghost raccoons.